I believe a cabal of secret societies has controlled the world for 200 plus years, and we get to be alive at a time to see it fall. I believe in the power of one person working as a team with other Christian patriots can have massive impact in reversing this ungodly culture. I believe that we have an omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent God that has put his hand on this moment in time to deny the timeline of the enemy and is about to heal our land. This is Rick, your host, and I believe that God has called me to empower Christian patriots with truth. Join us now for the Blessed Teach Show, and let's see what God is doing today. Here we are on a black screen. I want to get that off. <laughs> there we go. We're, we're at Word and Worship on Friday night. Thanks for joining us. We are going to be digging into the woman at the well, one of the most famous scriptures ever, one of the, probably the best scenes of the chosen as well. We'll review that as we dig into the text of John 4. It's going to be exciting as we, as we dig into that. So before we get started, I'm going to actually just put on a song and we're going to start worshiping as you get your hearts ready for this awesome um, next 60 minutes or so of digging into John 4. Um, this will be a, a beautiful time of called Word and Worship. So let's start with Graves to Garden. And uh, Gus can read the words to the next one, but I was, I was going to take this one. This is like, uh, the Lord... There's nothing better than you. You're the only one who can is what this song talks about. And it's from Exodus 8:10 it says that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. That's Exodus 8:10, right? Then it says I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's obviously Paul just talking about how important it is in Philippians 3:8. To know Jesus is the most important thing by far of anything. Another lyric in this says, You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. Too beautiful, you know, of what God does to us when we get the Holy Spirit in us, right? And a couple of Old Testament scriptures talk to this as well. You have turned me, for me, my mourning to dancing. Right there to Psalm 30, 11. And then, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. So instead of mourning, we get the oil of joy and dancing. <laughs> and that's out of Isaiah 61.3 there. You turn bones into armies. Just think about that. Ezekiel 37, all those bones. Ezekiel started breathing and, and God used them. To, and he said, so I prophesied. And behold, a rattling. The bones came together and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Right out of Ezekiel 37, 7 through 10. 
And then he turned seas into highways to the Red Sea. We saw Moses, obviously, he stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back, and the people of Israel went on to the midst of on sea on dry ground. Let's sing to graves and to gardens. Uh-oh, people are telling me no sand. Wow, Gus. I have three problems. <laughs> We had no sound there for the first five minutes. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna restart. Thank you for the Facebook people. Well, that was a backfire. So hopefully, those who are watching the video have fast forwarded to the fact where we got sound. <laughs> so uh, just realized I had some settings that flipped back, and so we didn't have any sound. So right now. 
Now here we go with the Graves to Garden. I'm going to do this one more time. I think we got through the reading of most of these scriptures. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to the, where we get to the music starting, right? Is these scriptures you heard me, I would guess. Um, but you didn't hear the sound of the music, right? But these are the these different scriptures that go with this beautiful song, right? And so it's really awesome to, to flip, just connect scriptures to the songs we're gonna sing. So let's, so let's worship to this sound. I think the the backstage people were hearing it, but I'm sorry the Facebook and Rumble did not. So here we go. Let's worship to this. I search the world. Yeah. 
just got to love that. That is just this beautiful music. And uh, we're going to now get some background music going as we just talk about this scripture here. And this is, uh, I'm going to bring my partner in crime into the scene. That is uh, Mr. Gus. How are you doing today? <laughs> doing good, Rick. How are you? How's everybody? Yes, we appreciate you uh, coming on to uh, share your awesome biblical knowledge. It's fun to be able to do this with Gus. And so we're going to be talking about John 4, one of the most famous uh, biblical scriptures of all time, um, when it comes to a story of Jesus meeting the woman of Samaria at the well. And uh, we'll, maybe we'll just read every other uh, paragraph here and maybe read the whole story first. I think Gus might make more sense here because there's so much here. And then we'll kind of go back and analyze it. And then we'll get into the chosen. We'll probably play one more song. And then we'll get into the chosen's view of this scripture. Talk a little bit more about it as we dig into this. So, uh, so let me start here. It says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples of John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. And what's interesting about that, we'll show you a map here in a bit, near the field of Jacob and had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well in about the sixth hour. And guess I guess I'll stop a second before we get to the rest of the story. I wanted to kind of kind of give a map here. Here's a here's a map of Israel at the time of Jesus. You can see first century AD. And you see obviously the northern kingdom had been taken over by Assyria. They'd assimilated a lot of the Sumerians into, because uh, they brought a lot of Gentiles in there and the, and the people that did have some Jewish blood, a lot of them didn't have Jewish blood at all, but a lot of them that did was, was filtered down significantly. Compared to Judea, you know, who had a lot more um, pure Israelis here, even when they came back to build, rebuild the temple here in Jerusalem, down here at the bottom, right? But what was interesting is they were scared to go through Samaria, a lot of people. So when, a, 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 when people wanted to travel from Galilee, a, a Jewish person, down to Jerusalem for like the feast and, and everything, they would actually cross the Jordan on the east side, come all the way down to skip Samaria, go through Peria and Decapolis, right? They'd come down through here. And then come actually in the, the, the major path was go to Bethany up to Jerusalem. So when Jesus was doing his ministry, you would think he would come to Bethany if he's going to go to Galilee, right? He would come to Bethany up here and take the same path that everybody was taking. But no, he went directly through Samaria. And you can see right there, there's, there's Sychar right there. And this is so this is where um, Jacob's well is. This is where Jesus is traveling to go rest when he meets the woman at the well. So that's kind of interesting how um, that big of a journey that was and how you would go out of your way that much. Just think about how, how far that is. This verse, verse is just going direct. So Jesus is going direct. He's not wasting any time. <laughs> so well, that's another, another yeah. interesting point, Rick, is that in the, in the uh, King James, it says, Jesus said, it sounds strange in this, uh, today's language, I must needs go through Samaria. And if you think about that, Jesus was here on earth fulfilling everything the Father had set forth in the Old Testament for him to do. He knew he was going to need to meet, he was going to meet the woman at the well. 
They were like, no, let's go around like we normally know. I've got to go through Samaria because he knew, I mean, he's Jesus. He's the beginning and then he knows everything. So he knew he was going to meet this woman at the well. That is interesting. And he must needs go through America. There it is right there. And verse 4 here. Uh, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he must and had to go through Samaria. That's a great point. So obviously he he, he knew what was going to happen, didn't he, Gus? <laughs> yes. It was, it was all part of the plan, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Do you want to get this next paragraph here? Yeah. So are we starting with seven there? Yeah. <laughs> A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well, he, he gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again, for the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Then Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the ones you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither the, this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Okay, verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me that all that ever I did, 
can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know not about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for the eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor on. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. So many Samaritans, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told her all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed with there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said what we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After, and and then, the, then this goes into, well, after two days he departed Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So I think we'll try to stop there and get, save this for the next time. But that's, that is the story of the woman at the well. Beautiful story that we will dig into now a little bit uh, verse by verse. And we already kind of dug into this first part um, about uh, what you said. That he had to go there. He must go there. All right. Uh, and he had to pass through Samaria. He must go through in, in, the, in the actual uh, KJV. And he must needs go through Samaria. And then we also showed you the map that shows that obviously Jesus is going from probably the Jerusalem area right back up and he comes to the Galilee, but he stops at this Jacob's well here. Most people think it's Jacob's well. Any other thoughts on this first part, Gus? Uh, Jacob's well. So it does tell us it is definitely Jacob's well. The only thing we were discussing a little earlier because as I was reading this today is like the Holy Spirit was hitting me with the well, the well, the women at the well. And I got thinking about it, and I want to do a little more research on this, but I know in Genesis, what was it? Genesis 24. Um, Where Jacob meets Isaac, Rachel. Isaac met Rebecca at a well. Ah, interesting. Enough. Okay. So there's some spiritual metaphor in here, I think. And then uh, in Genesis 29, Jacob met Rachel at a well. Yeah. So it seems to be a theme. Uh, but I got to look into that more. I wish I would have looked into that earlier. But, you know, that's how God does. He gives you a little revelation. Then you go digging in. You know, it's, a, it's what, what does it say? It's the honor of the glory of God to hide a matter. But the glory of kings is search it out something to that effect 
Yeah, well, I think that does come a little bit into the spiritual aspect of the living water of Jesus, right? So uh, the, uh, the living water of, of, of the Father, just think of that, that they, they, they found their, their wives and they gave birth to their, their whole legacy and, and really to the, the nation of Israel and the 12 tribes all coming through where the well was a key part of that. <laughs> I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, when you consider Jesus being the well and the threefold cord in a marriage between any of these partners, you know, and Jesus is married to us. He's married to the world, not just the Jews, but all nations, you know, including Samaria. Yeah. You know, because they had a past, but he said the past is over. We're moving forward in Christ. You know, this is a new thing. Yeah, and if you look at the history of of the of Judea versus Samaria, there's tons of hostility there, and the Jews were not even allowed to even work with, because they they were considered them even worse than the Gentiles. They're almost departed Israelis. They've been watered down. Um, if you think about the history of this, unfortunately, if you go back to that map, you see that in Samaria. Obviously, if you look back to the twelve tribes. This is where Joseph's descendants were, right? Because you had Benjamin and Ephraim here, uh, as well as Masana over here. So you had, you basically had um, this, the, the Samaritan people, and even when they came back to build the wall, which we, we, we've gone over those, those full books, right? Of, of, of when uh, you obviously had, you had Assyria take over the Northern Kingdoms, and then many years later, um, the Babylonians took over, but then the Persians came by with Cyrus and Cyrus 45 and Isaiah 45, right? And they and they came back to build the wall here. The Samaritans came to some of the Jewish Samaritans came to help, and they said, "No, you can't help." And then the, the Samaritans tried to stop them from rebuilding the temple. Yeah. So there's huge hostility when Jesus came. Um, these the, these Samaritans, um, and, you know, they built the cows, the the, the, the golden cows. Um, or to to worship, so people wouldn't go to to Jerusalem. So the kings led them astray. But the, but but I think the whole point is that the, there's huge tensions. So not only was Jesus not supposed to talk to a Samaritan, he definitely wasn't supposed to be talking to women as either. No, no. yeah, I was supposed to talk to women, and by drinking from her cup, it would have made him unclean by the Jewish beliefs. Yes, but he drank from her cup, and that was the surprise of this verse, right? A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. That had to shock her, right? For his disciples had gone away. And then the Samaritan woman, go ahead. There's a similar parallel to that in one of those stories I was looking at. Uh, Whoever says, uh, I say I'm thirsty, they give me to drink and also water my camels. So I don't know. Like I said, there's there's something... There's something there that ties it to the Old Testament, but I uh, wish, wish I would have researched it before. Now. Yeah, yeah, the whole, the whole Isaac and, and Jacob back at the well mm-hmm. and the whole living water. And so, so here we have him giving a drink. This, this shocked this Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. So this is a shocking conversation, but it is really the main reason Jesus went there, right? Mm-hmm. Amen. Jesus answered. Pretty much declare, I think, to cross those lines and 
and offer salvation to them, like and show the world that the Samaritans are included in this salvation as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Key part of this whole lesson he's given her, right? And giving us. Yeah. And you know, this this verse and many throughout John, it's like when you really meditate on it, think about it, this is God the Father's spirit inside Jesus the man speaking kind of almost, it sounds like it's in third person. But he's saying, and who, if you knew who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, God the Father, you would have asked my son, you know, and you would have given you, he would have given you living water. I don't know if you could see that, but it's God, you know, the best, the best case scenario is when Philip said, show us the Father, and, and the Father spoke through Jesus said, how long have I been with you and you still don't know me? Because when you see the Son, the Word, you see the Father. Yes. Yes, and, and obviously in John 7, that, that refers a little bit more detail to when Jesus later talks about this. Rivers of living water. So the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of the heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who have believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But uh, rivers of living water. Yes, how amazing is that? (laughs) That is quite amazing. Um, and you talk about this all the time, this cup, like we're a cup, right? He just pours this living right. water into us. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's like David says, uh, <clears throat> my cup overflows, mm-hmm. runs over. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been blessed by the Holy Spirit, you can, it's a tangible thing. You can feel it flowing up and out of you, cleansing your heart, just washing you out, right? Mm-hmm. We talked in the beginning about the first miracle where Jesus filled the six vessels, the stone vessels represent six number of man, uh, filled them with water to the top. So that's the word is the water because we're washed by the, uh, by the water of the word. We're cleansed, we're sanctified. Um, and Jesus said, fill it up to the top. So read the whole Old Testament, get it all in you. And then Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will turn your water into wine, which uh-huh. is the blood, right? It's the life. So you got the Spirit and the Word uh, are one. Yes. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Obviously, she has no idea what he's talking about right now. She's thinking exactly. physical. She's thinking carnally. <laughs> yep. Are you greater than our father Jacob? So they're coming back to Jacob, Jacob's well, and this is where you know Jacob and Joseph and their descendants were took over the Sumerian area, right? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. 
So again, just thinking carnally, and Jesus corrected her. <laughs> so Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Almost what you just talked about there, Gus. Amen. Amen. And, and you know, there, she's got her mind on Jacob. And, you know, a lot of people do this. Um, they name drop. They look at the person. I mean, if we're going to name drop anybody, we should be name dropping Jesus, lifting him up. Mm -hmm. Because God uses all of us like he used Jacob. Uh, all all the people in the Bible he's used, but she's kind of worshiping Jacob because that's his well, worshiping the well because, you know, he drank from it, you know, like, oh, this is, you know, uh, which, you know, you go to Jerusalem, you go to Israel, I'm going to go hopefully this year, I think, and uh, it's going to be interesting to walk where Jesus walked and where these things happen, but you don't, you don't worship like the well for, because Jacob drank from it, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So she said, she, she said, hey, and remember, she's there about noon. I don't know if we caught that either. Did we? Did, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's an important thing to know. In about the sixth hour, this was about noon. So she's there at the heat of the day. So most women would come in the morning when it's not. She's there by herself in the heat of the day. And Jesus knew she would be there, obviously. So that's a key point mm -hmm. of this as well is that uh, she's probably ostracized because she's not there with all the other women in the morning. So she's buried in the heat of the day. And so she goes, wow, I'd, I'd be awesome if I never got thirsty again. So, so she says, the woman says, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come in here to draw the water. That would be awesome. <laughs> she's thinking right. carnally again, right? Not spiritually. And so what does Jesus say to her? Go call your husband. And this is interesting. He knows that she doesn't have a husband, right? But he says, go call your husband and come here. I think sometimes the Lord does this to us as well, right? We maybe ask us a question, puts it in our spirit. And uh, yeah. yeah, and he's basically asking a question. We know the guilty answer. <laughs> the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband for you have had five husbands. And the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. A lot of people have dug there's into this. An, Go ahead. There's an interesting uh, twist to this. And I want to do some re more research on that. But, um, you know, this, the Samaritans worship many gods. And <laughs> five major deities that they worship. Yeah. Uh, I've heard this uh, before. And that he's saying... You've had five husbands. In other words, they because we're married to Jesus. He's our husband. We're the bride of Christ. Uh, and the one that you're with now is not your husband, Jesus, because she's not married to him yet. Mm -hmm. She's fixing to. Right? She's, it's a kind of deep spiritual spin to that, going deeper in the well and well being Jesus. And but yeah. Yeah. So obviously the, the the clear reading of this is that she did literally have five husbands and that and, and and but also could be pointing to like you said the five gods of the Samaritans who really messed everything up. Right? They've they lost. They they had the calves. The, every single king, all twenty of them. I was I was teaching on this. Uh, were evil kings except for one was kind of mixed, but pretty much all of them had evil. And uh, at least Judea had had like six good kings. Right? Well. All 20 
were, were, were partially all, 19 of 20, absolutely evil. So they turned the people of the 10 northern tribes all against the Lord. Yes, and you alluded to this earlier about the 12 o'clock, why she came in the hottest part of the day is because she slept around a little bit. She wasn't very high in society, so she didn't come with all the other ladies right. in the morning or in the evening. She came by herself in the heat of the day. So he tells her, not only that you, you've had these five husbands, that you're, the one you're now with is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now she's going, oh my goodness, how do you know this? This woman said to him, Sure, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And so Jesus kind of corrects her here, right? And this comes back down to where the difference between the Samaritans, the Samaritans completely turned away from the God of the, God of the Bible, the Torah, right? Where they completely went away. And I think they had their own Torah, didn't they, Rick? They had written portions themselves or something and they worshipped in Mount Gerizim which you saw on the map there just below Sychar um, right right there they uh, they thought that Moses delivered the, the oracles there the, the law or whatever or something and so they that's what she's referring to you know yeah. you say the worship in Jerusalem the Jews say worship in Jerusalem but we worship and there again she's carnally minded thinking physically and not spiritually yeah and all the way back when Jeroboam took over the northern kingdoms away from Solomon's son and uh, Solomon's son was down here in the two tribes of, in, 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 in Judea you you had he, he set up two calves literally built golden calves and had one uh, one here and one up in this Dan area uh, to, to try to keep people from doing what the Bible told them to, doing what the Torah told them to, the Old Testament told them to, go to Jerusalem for these key events, right? So, so basically, that the, 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 the kings of Israel turned the people completely away from the God, and it was only the six good kings that kept uh, the southern kingdom alive for longer. But interesting. Put that in a modern-day parallel, mm -hmm. they came up with things to worship short of worshiping at Jerusalem where real, the real deal was mm -hmm. today people find things to worship and everything that stops short of entering in and, and receiving the Holy Spirit you, know, you look at the churches and everything it's like they're giving them resting points where they can feel comfortable I go to church every Sunday everything's right. good but they don't realize it's really about relationship with Jesus Christ good point and this is what the exciting part of this whole part here is this next part where where Jesus talks about the new kingdom of God coming right and this is woman believe me the hour is coming when neither this mountain nor Jerusalem will you worship the father or you can worship the father without being in Jerusalem right you can worship the father wherever you are now what hour is that Rick that's when he ascends to the father and releases the you know he suffers dies buries the reason he's here Yes. To release the Holy Ghost, you know, that, that living water. Yes, your worship, what you do not know. Hey, this is a real key point for me as an apologist. When people say, hey, quit judging other people. Well, we're not supposed to judge people's behavior. That's God's job, right? And whether they're going to go to hell or heaven because of their works and their service. But you got to remember, all of us are sinful, right? 
but we are supposed to judge people on their incorrect beliefs because that's what saves you or not, right? And my evidence, I always come back to people, quit saying that you need to do judging in the correct way. Don't judge people for their works, right? But you can judge people for the specific beliefs that are going to lead them away from God, right? And not down to the nit and nat of predestination or tribulation, pre-tribulation, and all the arguments you can get. But in the major things that would keep you from being saved, you can judge people for their incorrect beliefs, right? And so, uh, and why? Because he judged her. He says, you worship what you do not know. So it is very, very uh, appropriate for somebody to, to correct somebody's belief that it basically says, hey, I, I believe in this God that's wrong. Well, they're going to go to hell if you let them believe that, right? You can, you can correct that, plant some seeds or whatever. But uh, that's a big point for me. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. And again, as the remnant of people who know the true God of the Bible, we have to defend that, at least at the basic level, what I always call the right God, the right Jesus, and the right gospel. You know, those three things are paramount that we got to hold on to. And we can judge incorrect beliefs around those three things. Now, when it gets all to the other deeper things, I, I, I caution, we need to unify more, right? And uh, be careful not to, to separate uh, because unity is needed right now. Any thoughts there, Gus? Uh, only that I really just, I was doing a deep dive on this just yesterday or the day before on judgment because there's so much judgment going around that's yeah really causing discord and divide. But you know where in Matthew where Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. The Greek word there is krino. Krino not lest you be krinoed. But like over where he says the carnal man does not receive the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. And it says that basically uh, the spiritual man judges all things, but is judged by no man. And the word that's being used there, same word judge, but it's anacrino, which is more or less discernment. So the spiritual man discerns all things, but it's not discerned by a carnal man because they don't see spiritual things he's not born again so there's a difference in in judgment i'd say you know because even in this uh he's not condemning her you know there's a judgment that's condemning and there's a judgment that's uh, discerning so he's having a discourse with her and letting her know you don't know what you're worshiping and trying to correct her I think uh, in love here, not in, not not sending her off to hell. He's inviting her into the Holy Spirit and the drink of the well. You know. Yeah, and so just like it's I was talking about, once you once you correct somebody from their incorrect belief, you want to replace it with truth, not just criticize. You're basically trying to plant seeds to get them to understand the relationship with Christ is key. And he and in back back then in the Old Testament, for salvation is from the Jews. Now, for salvation is through Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. So again, um, be careful of judging people on what they do, right? Because we're all sinful. <laughs> it's, and we can use that from a perspective of knowing that they're probably not a Christian if they're living that way, right? And that will let us know that, hey, it's time to pray for them and, and witness to them. But anyway, they replaced, he replaced it with truth very quickly. And then he gave her even more deeper truth. 
for the, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And this is good, good news to her, right? It's like, if salvation is really from the Jews, but I don't have to go to Jerusalem. <laughs> I, I'm not, right? I'm not going to have to. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Any thought on those areas, Gus? Well, spirit and truth is the spirit and the word. John 17, 17, uh, your word is truth. You know, his word is truth. So, And the spirit and the word are one. So it's, it's all about the word. And where he talks about the salvation is from the Jews is because the, the bloodline portion of it was uh, God's way of carrying the bloodline from Adam all the way to Jesus. And these people were tasked with carrying the oracles, the scriptures that we now have that we call the Bible. So that's, I think, what he's saying there. So salvation is of the Jews of Jesus was a Jew you know he was in the bloodline of the Jews but that doesn't mean that the Bible is not it's a Jewish book but it's not just for salvation just for Jews alone it's addressed to the whole nation because if you go back as far as Abraham's promise he said I'll make you a father of all many nations and through him his seed which was Jesus Christ I'll bless all nations so yeah. it's a book for everybody so. yes no question. And he answers her. Says, woman, uh, a woman says to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her. So at least she had, had this correct belief about the Messiah. Right? So, so they're keeping some of it there. Jesus said yes. to her. Yeah. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Woo. So I thought this might be a good time, unless you had something else, to watch the chosen way they depicted this. A beautiful scene. Yes. It's like a seven-minute scene, um, but just soak into the way. Uh, now, it's not, they don't do this word for word. And again, it's plausible how it could have happened. But I think it's beautifully done in just a potential way this interaction could have happened. And uh, you'll see the start of the scene. Jesus' disciples go off, and he's at the well by himself. And the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, comes, and we get to get to see that. So, uh, anything else uh, before we start that, Gus? Uh, what's hit me hard here is like a summary. It's going back to the two, you know, the the, the uh, parallels of Isaac and Rebecca and and Jacob and and uh, Rachel at the well and everything. So I got to look into that more. But think of the woman. I always think. The woman is us. It's the bride of Christ. It's, it's mankind. It's humankind. And they're at the well. And, you know, humans, basically humans have worshipped other gods. They've messed everything up. He's saying, no, salvation is of the Jews. He's saying that the scripture, because he even backs it with, they're going to worship him with spirit and with truth. The truth is his word. It's the scripture. So it's telling people where to find salvation is in the Hebrew scriptures, you know, the book we call the Bible. And, uh, yeah, think of the woman as the bride of Christ, just like you would when the woman that was caught in adultery and they didn't bring the man, they just brought the woman. Because we're married to Christ and they're trying to throw the, the you know, the, 
the Jewish people were trying to throw the, the regular people under the bus, but Jesus came to save that which was lost, you know, so, and it's the bride of Christ. It's, it's all about becoming brand new in Christ. Yes. That's making any sense at all. I love it. I love it. I love the whole parallel to, to the Samaritan woman when you watch her in this episode, you can almost think of it as us. As humans yeah. being lost, like we're and, and we're at the well getting some water, get, and yeah. and what we really need is living water. And she meets the Messiah, the true living water Himself. What did the one woman say? Uh, Mary of Magdalene said, uh, "I was one way, and now I'm different." And what happened in the middle was Him. Yes. Or something. Yeah, that. Like I get the goosebumps just thinking about that. Yeah, but that's basically the same story. That we is. We were all one way. Well, we met that is and I'm gonna blow this up to be full screen here so that we can uh, just to just to uh, revel in this scene again this is the chosen which is free uh, you can find it on the chosen app it's probably the best way to do it download the chosen app and you can see all these for free but here it is Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Wrong story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will <coughs> thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. Uh, 
I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sort this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. You promise? I promise. 
this man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> What is? You forgot your um. Papi, you man, you told me everything I ever did. <laughs> um, Rabbi, we got food. What would you like? Ah, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Who got you food? <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a beautiful scene, huh? Any thoughts on that, Gus? Oh, it's pretty, uh, I had a couple things that hit me. Uh, you know, he was talking about how he hadn't announced himself to the public yet. He chose her first. What hit me was there's a reason that God chose Paul to write the majority of the New Testament Bible because he was the worst of the worst, right? Yeah. So that anybody today, if you think you've got a sin that God can't forgive, just read about Paul and he was murdering Christians. This woman had five different husbands and everything else and he's making it a point and she's a Samaritan against the, the Jews and he's making a point to break down those barriers. Yeah, um, that's a beautiful, beautiful thought there. And then if you think about it, I, I just thought I heard in my spirit, we are the temple and we are the mountain. We are the temple of God, mm -hmm. you know, individually and collectively, because Jesus is our chief cornerstone of God's temple, not made with hands. And we're all living stones building that temple. As more and more people come into the body of Christ, we're building the house of God. It's us, it's in us, in spirit and truth. And we are Mount Zion, you know we come and worship you know so and then uh i thought in the end as she ran off and dropped her drinking vessels there she got a drink of that well that, that living water so she didn't need that, that water to thirst anymore right she got a touch of the real deal that is a good point she didn't even need the water anymore because she has the living water <laughs> she's got all about that water and i got the living water in me now it's like, whoo, I can feel the spirit all over me just thinking about it. It's awesome. Yes, and so <laughs> as this is just then the, his disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why you are talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away to town and said to the people, and, and isn't that cool? Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the town and were coming to him. So this is, these are Samaritans coming to him. And so you can see, think of the disciples who weren't supposed to talk to Samaritans, weren't even supposed to go through Samaria, right? Supposed to go around the long way. Here they are with, with Christ and uh, with Jesus and he's bringing them right through. Yes, he's the great uniter. Yes. And that's why as people come to know the truth um, and we get and the scales fall off people's eyes about this cabal that we are, are, are just exposing every day and know the truth about who the Lord God is, that's when uniting happens. That's when the United States, I believe, will prophetically become united again as we turn back, just like what's happening in Ashbury College right now with the revival. It is going to be amazing. But I want to turn to a... 
Go ahead. There was one other quick thought right ahead from here was uh, when she said to him, wouldn't you be defiled by this vessel? And like we talked earlier, we are the vessel that holds the spirit of God. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, I think of Isaiah where, where the stone was taken from the altar. And, and uh, it's like Jesus, when he healed the leper, everybody's concerned, oh, the, the leprosy was going to come on him, but he's Jesus. When he touches, healing and life goes the other direction, you know. You can't defile him. He's going to sanctify you. The word and the spirit are going to sanctify you. It's just... Yeah, that is amazing. Just to think about this woman who's coming to the well. She sees the Jewish person she's talking to, and she's she's going, won't I defile you? You know, she's thinking that she's defiled, and she leaves a brand new person, right? That's what happens to people when they they find Jesus. And uh, she believed, but she had to believe in her heart that that was the Christ. You saw that in that scene, right? She really believed that, and. Uh, and Which- Another thing, Jesus exercised one of the gifts of the Spirit there, I would suppose, the gift of the word of knowledge. Because he shared a word of knowledge with her, something that only her and whoever she believes in God knew about. And that's what the word of knowledge does. It's like when you give somebody a word of knowledge, it increases their faith because they're like, how can anybody know this but God? It's inside them. It's a good point. So that's what... That was like the mechanism that circumcised her heart and, you know, rolled the stone away so she could receive the truth, you know? Yeah. And she got a spiritual gift, too, a spiritual gift of faith right there. Boom. Yes. <laughs> right. I have a chance of actually being accepted. I mean, I'm being rejected by everybody. I'm evil in everybody's eyes. And here you are the very Messiah, the Christ, has accepted me. And you came here to find me you you were seeking me wow so he seeks us all amen no matter what you've done or how bad you are right i love the parallel you gave to paul who was seeking out and killing christians and oversaw the 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 first martyrdom of stephen and approved of it and he actually is chosen Jesus, Jesus got him in the road to Damascus. And here you see this woman at the well. So no matter what you're going through, Jesus is there for you. And this is part of why when times are hard, sometimes we just need to raise a hallelujah, right? And uh, and and and, we're, and so I'm gonna have Gus read this this part. But we're gonna we're gonna sing this beautiful song called "Raise a Hallelujah," and uh, and understand what the scripture behind it kind of is about and what the meaning of hallelujah is. A lot of people don't even know what the word hallelujah means. But uh, Gus, if you wouldn't mind looking at this. Uh-oh. Oh, uh-oh. It looks like, I, looks, looks like uh, I pulled that one off. I forgot I moved that file, so I'm not going to be able to play that. <laughs> We're going to have to go to something else. But let's just All go right. to, I'm going to go to Mighty to Save. Again, if I took take that up, you you, you, you look at the fact that who's the one who saves us, right? It's, it's Jesus, who she, and she, she just uh, discovered the person that's going to be mighty to save. So I'll get, I, raise a hell you're working for, for Monday night praise and prayer. But here is mighty to save. Alrighty, 
mighty to save. First line we're going to be singing is, My God is mighty to save. And that brings us thoughts of Zephaniah 317a. The Lord your God is in the midst, a mighty one who will save. In the second verse we highlighting here is, He rose and conquered the grave. That reminds us of 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 6. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and that he appeared to Cephas, Cephas then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still were still alive at the time that was written there in that book. And that, of course, is when he ascended into heaven. And then the third highlighted verse here is, Shine your light and let the whole world see. And that reminds us of Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Let your light shine before others. Sorry, I was just getting raised as hell a year ago, and I'll have to go back to Might of the Save as we just finished that. Here we go back here, and we're going to sing this now.
mess up that last one, um, and now I got raise a hallelujah. I figured we'd before we cut over, we'll do raise a hallelujah. Yeah, Gus, you want to do this one as two? You mind? I can do it if you want me to. Yeah, I just wanted to just let you know. So normally we would cut over to the backstage. We're about ready to do that. So if you have a backstage pass, get back there. We're gonna do Q and A on the scripture. So uh, get back to the backstage here. We'll go back there right after the song. Go ahead, Gus. So we're going to raise a hallelujah. Hallelujah. The meaning. A joyous praise in song. And Jah refers to YHWH, which is Yahweh, which is a term for God. Put together, we joyfully praise God in song. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 95, verse 1. Another verse in this song we got highlighted here is in the presence of our enemies. That reminds us of Psalm 23, 5. You prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Hallelujah. And then finally, the third one here we have is, Our weapon is a melody. He appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise Him in holy attire as they went out before the army. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men who had come against Judah so that they were routed. They were they all helped to destroy one another. That's Chronicles, Second Chronicles 20, verse 21 and 23. And then finally, verse, the holy verse here, Heaven comes to fight for me. You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. Hallelujah. Awesome. Let's raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah In the presence of my enemies A hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a
joyous praise and song. We joyfully praise God in song. That's what hallelujah means. All right, and that is beautiful. So we're going to take a little bit of time right now just to, to let you guys know how you can join backstage here. And that is, um, hey, just go to blessedteach.com, blessed with the number two teach.com, and then go to the backstage tab. Right? The link's down below in this video, by the way. It's also where you can join the free neighborhood. There's a link down there for that. That is where we congregate with a bunch of people. It's just a Facebook replacement. So if you consider yourself a Christian patriot, somebody that loves your country, just doesn't have to be the United States, right? The patriots worldwide, and you consider yourself a Christian, perfect platform for you to come and meet other Christian patriots. And there's even a prayer and support Zoom groups there. It's where we're congregating as the remnant. So come and join us at the Blessed Teach neighborhood, B2T neighborhood. You can actually search on your Play Store or in the Apple Store. Just go B2T space neighborhood. Download that. I think you'll really enjoy it. Hey, with that, we are going to go backstage and ask if we got a backstage pass. Get back there. We're going to talk a little bit about the scripture. Um, we went a little bit long here, but boy, what a beautiful time to really discuss that. I just want to see if Gus had any final thoughts before, before we, we move backstage. Gus? Uh... Only, in summary, I still keep thinking on the metaphor of the woman at the well being any one of us, because we're all, we're all the female in this scenario, and Christ is our man. He's our husband. We're married to God through His Spirit, His Word. So it's like consider ourselves sitting by the side of that well, and no matter what we've done in our past, it can be forgiven uh, in Jesus Christ, and He's right there waiting for us to drink from that well. All we got to do is believe. Amen. And so I'd probably be remiss not to just have a quick uh, prayer for you to those of you who have not accepted Christ to make sure that He is your living water, right? And that's pretty simple to do, but it has to be like the you saw in the woman in the well that, where she believed it, right? So again, Romans 10, 9 says, if you believe that, that, it, that if you confess with your mouth or profess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's, but it has to be belief here, not in the head, right? So just say a quick prayer for me. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for being my living water. I know I'm sinful. I'm like that woman at the well. There's things I've done wrong, many things I've done wrong. But Lord, you don't condemn me. And you've actually died on the cross for me so that my sins can be completely forgiven. Wash away my sins. Make me a new person. Allow me to move into this new world of having Jesus Christ as my Savior, the Holy Spirit in my soul, and have that living water inside me. Lord, thank you for that. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I confess with my lips he is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Thank you for saving me. I say these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Join us Amen. backstage, guys. We love you guys. We'll see you backstage in 45 seconds. Bye-bye.